0: give you a warm welcome today in the house of the Lord. We're glad that you are here. We're going to begin our worship service, please, with number 297. All the words are behind me also on the screen. Let's stand as we praise the Lord. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord, and He will surely give you rest by trusting in His Word. Let's praise God with our hearts. Seated, <clears throat> let's come, please, before the Lord now in prayer, and we'll bring this service and our day and every need that we have to the Lord now in our prayer. Our loving Father and our gracious God in heaven, we rejoice, Lord, once more and that we have been given the grace and the privilege. To be here on a new Lord's Day morning. We have come, Father, from a week of many issues that have gone on in lives and families, some troubles, some trials, some grief, grievances, some who are set aside because of the loss of loved ones. We ask, dear Lord, that we would know your kind hand upon us today and pouring out grace. Upon grace, that we would know, dear Father, the joy of the Lord in our hearts, the peace of God and the the comfort of the Lord that passes all understanding. Dear Father, we pray today that every soul gathered in would be very conscious of the Spirit of God here, working through the Scripture speaking to our heart through our worship and praise. And dear Father, that you would receive the the worship of our souls this morning and that each one would enter in with joy and thanksgiving. Father, we have just come through a thanksgiving season where we again acknowledge the mercies of God and the great harvest, the plentiful things that we are given to sustain life And, Father, we acknowledge that all of these things have come from your good and kind and merciful hand. And I pray we will not become neglectful of these things. We will not take them for granted in any way. We'll rejoice, Lord, and give thanks and praise for all the mercies temporal. But, Father, that only scratches the surface helping us to realize and see the greatest of all blessings that have come to us, the blessing of salvation, the blessing, O God, of knowing that the blood of Christ Jesus has been shed to make atonement for our sins. Therefore, Lord, today we are praying and seeking and asking that we will know and enter into with all our hearts this full salvation the knowledge of our sins forgiven, the knowledge, Lord, that we have a home in glory and that one day soon we will leave this scene of time, a veil of tears, and sorrows around us, yet mingled with joy unto our eternal rest. Dear Father, I pray that until that day we will be found faithful unto our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, today we pray for those that are grieving the loss of loved ones at this time, we ask for your blessing and hand to be upon the CU family. Lord, encourage them and bless them as they had to say farewell to a beloved mother and grandmother. We ask, dear God, that you would pour out your spirit on her sister Flo today, the loss of her mother, that you would know your comfort and hand upon her and Blessing in the details of the service coming up next week. We think also of the Prince family in the loss of their grandmother. We pray for Priska and Sharika and Priyan. That you would bless these ones, Lord, and encourage their hearts. And dear Father, we also remember those who are not well. We pray for our brother Bodner today. We ask for your hand to be upon Mrs. Hamilton, encourage her heart. And remember, Lord, all other needs that are pressing upon the hearts of Your people. And dear God, we do not want to forget to pray for all our sister congregations across our own nation, in the United States, overseas. Father, pour out Your mighty blessing upon all of these works, and not only our own, but we ask for every faithful tongue that is exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. You would bless them abundantly. And Lord, make today a day of salvation, a day of encouragement, a day of growth spiritually, a day when we will all enter in with joy into our so great salvation. Revive our hearts, we pray. Touch the church of Christ that's in great need in our own land. We ask for blessing and restraint upon our political leaders. We pray that those who have intention on evil would be hindered and stopped. And we pray, Lord, that you would bless that which is righteous and true and good. Hear our prayers this morning. Father, continue with us now, we pray. In our Savior's precious name we ask. Amen. Number 336 the king of love, my shepherd, is. Will stand, please, again to sing. <laughs> can be seated well what joy there is for the child of god to know that when we are finished our time here on this earth it will be but a transport and a promotion to glory and we will there be able to sing forever and forever to the praise of our great god and savior and uh, while on this earth there are many challenges and difficulties we know them know them well But yet we also trust in the Lord who is our comfort and our stay and He is able to keep us in every time of our need. Turn please with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. book of Hebrews, chapter 1, beginning at the opening verse. God who at sundry different times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship Him. And of the angels, He saith, who maketh His angels spirits and His ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, He saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of Thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up And they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits, sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. May God bless his word to us this morning as we have read. We'll be continuing later on in our service into chapter 2 of the book of Hebrews. These are most precious chapters in a book of the Bible with so much practical spiritual instruction for us in the lord's word we want to welcome you all today to our morning worship service very glad that you are here with us today in person and if you're joining us online we want you to know you're very very welcome we do have some visitors here today some folks i may not have your name and others we do it's good to see emmanuel with us visiting today and also Alan from our church in Lisburn, overseas in Northern Ireland. Brother, you're very welcome here today. And uh, others, I may not just have your name exactly, but you're very, very welcome. We trust the Lord would encourage your heart today in the worship, in His presence, and we will know uh, the Lord's help today. You will see that our communion table has been set, and that after our morning service today, we will be meeting around the Lord's table You do not have to be a member of our congregation to join and have fellowship with us, but it is required in the Scripture that you are born again of God's Spirit. You have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. You know Him and you love Him, and we welcome you and invite you to have fellowship with us around the table. And if you're not a believer and you just want to observe, you're welcome to stay and just see how... This service is conducted. This has been a very difficult week for some members of our congregation. Last Monday, we got news of three different families that were bereaved in our church. And though the people who passed away were not immediate members or attenders, nonetheless, it has been very difficult for some of the families in our church and we want to give our sincere condolences to the Siu family, uh, to Lou and Lydia, and also to Eunice and Caleb, in the loss of their dear grandmother, Mrs. Sioux Young Yun hen who passed away on Monday, and the funeral was yesterday. And so, do please pray that all the people who were gathered in the service, and uh, those who did not know the Savior, would have come to be confronted by the Scripture and the Word and be brought to Christ. Very thankful that all of these three folks who have passed on, all of them had a testimony of saving grace, and that is a great joy. And that brings the comfort that's special to the family members, even though it has been very sad, yet still they can rejoice. And our sister Flo, Florence, lost her dear mother, who went home to be with the Lord, Mrs. Tam Mi Ying. And she passed away also Monday. And the funeral service for Mrs. Ying will be this coming Saturday. And the details have been already given out on our church email. But if you would like to get them, you could speak to our brother Jonathan McAnally. And then the third one was the Prince family and that was Prisca, Sharika, and Priyan, three young people, and they have come up through our Sunday school, and uh, their parents, they attend the Grace Gospel Tamil Church, Pastor Meno, and uh, their grandmother went home to be with the Lord as well, Mrs. Nathaniel. Their funeral also was yesterday, and the visitation on Friday night, we were able to go and just speak to the family on Friday evening at the visitation. So keep all of these folks, please, very much in your prayers. God will comfort them and bless them and help them during this time. I want to say a word of thanks to the congregation for your faithful prayers. Uh, For myself, as I traveled last Lord's Day, actually the previous one, to Cloverdale, British Columbia, I was there to speak in the church and to give some help to that congregation as they are without a pastor at this time. And then after that, I traveled on the Monday, last Monday, to uh, Calgary for our presbytery meetings and our times of prayer. And there was a blessed time. There was good opportunity for uh, some of our, most of our Canadian men, only a few Americans were there. The rest were joining via Zoom. And uh, we hope that next time that our uh, presbytery will be all in person. And that's going to be taking place in May of 2023 in the will of God And Lord willing, it will be here in our congregation in Toronto. And so that's something for us to be in prayer about and to look forward to. And there were some encouraging developments of this past week. And one of them had to do with the constitution, the planned constitution of a church in the Dominican Republic. And that would be Pastor Ramon Sosa. You've never met him. Perhaps you've seen him on a video presentation before but uh, we'll be traveling down in the will of God as a representative of the presbytery in January to the Dominican Republic for a weekend of services and meetings, and uh, that will be uh, looking forward to that and do pray that God would bless our brother. He'll be ordained at the same time as the church is constituted, and uh, that's a a good step forward for us in our mission works. But also, Mr. Lalo Peñu, Pena, who is from Cordoba in Mexico, Uh, he was licensed just recently by our presbytery, and that means that he is going to be ready for the constitution of his church, and we expect that will maybe happen sometime in the spring. We're praying for that, and I know Brother Lalo Pena would really appreciate your prayers. He was here a few years ago after we had our presbytery in Fredericton, and he stopped by Toronto And we were able to have him speak here in the church. Also tonight, there will be a licensing for Mr. Logan Elder, who is a student minister. He has completed his studies, and he'll be licensed in the the after-the-evening service tonight in Greenville. And so there are several things for us to be in prayer about. And then Pastor John Kelly, whom we know from speaking in our church In the past, he is going to be returning to Maine and uh, pioneering a Free Presbyterian Church there. So all of those things are exciting and good things stepping forward. Please remember this week of meetings on Wednesday evening. Well, before we get to that, I suppose we better think about today and tonight. This afternoon, our prayer time at 5.50. It will be in the room, the fellowship room, just on the main floor here. And then our evening service, and I want to continue our study in the life of Daniel. Then on Wednesday night, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30. And on Thursday night, it will be the gym Fellowship. It's being moved from Friday back one day to Thursday. Please note that. And while I'm thinking about that too, don't forget young people... There's going to be a choir practice, the young adults, after the evening service tonight, and that's in preparation for the upcoming Port Hope meetings. There are a lot of things happening this week and in this fall. Uh, We're not even near getting at the sermon yet, but this is just all the introduction. But there's also very, very important. These ministries and things the church is engaged with, they are so vital for your information and for your prayers And as we share them with you, we want you to think about them and pray for them. And you'll be able to go back and review them on our church uh, bulletin and email. This coming Friday, we are looking forward to welcoming Reverend Jason Boyle and his wife. They're going to be with us for almost two weeks. And um, they're going to be speaking in our church next Lord's Day. And our brother will be giving a presentation of the work in Mexico. So we're excited about that, looking forward to it. And there'll be an opportunity for us to have an offering to direct toward the Mexico work. So that's something to keep in your prayers. And he'll be also speaking in our Port Hope and our Berry uh, congregations as well. And then on Friday evening... I have to go to the Scriven Memorial Christian School in Port Hope to bring their dedication message, and I'm looking forward to that, and I'll appreciate very much your prayers, and then be taking the funeral service on Saturday uh, for our sister Flo's mother. Next week, starting October the 24th, a week away, And the 24th to the 28th will be the anniversary services in our Port Hope congregation. That's always a time that our people here in Toronto enjoy to travel down each night, as many nights as you would like to do that. And uh, that will be from 7.30 each evening. So please remember those in prayer. Reverend Brian McClung will be the guest preacher uh, from overseas, from Northern Ireland. And I know you'll enjoy those meetings and the list of them on the bulletin the subject for each night. I ask for your prayers for all of these meetings and everything that's going on in the ministry of our church, our congregation, that the Lord would be near and help us in every detail of these meetings. We're going to sing again now to the Lord's praise, number 291. And just before we do that, when I was out in Cloverdale, I know that many of you were thinking and praying about the Kelly family. Uh, Stephen Carroll, who moved out there recently, I had a lovely visit with them on the Saturday at lunchtime, and they were very uh, emotional, thinking about you folks, missing the congregation, missing all of you, and uh, they wanted to be remembered to you. I have a little note here uh, from them. To the Toronto Free Presbyterian Church and to all of our brothers and sisters in the Lord, Carol and myself are settling in very well in White Rock, British Columbia. We covet your prayers for us as you have done so faithfully already. The Lord has been good to us. We are feeling a little better. Thank you for your nice send-off at the farm. Till we meet again, till we meet again at Jesus' feet. Love, Stephen and Carol Kelly. So they're all remembered fondly and dearly, and I was able to give you Give to them all of your warm greetings as well. Remain seated while we sing number 291. Turn again, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Hebrews 2 and verse 1. Therefore... We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and it set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now we see not yet all things put under Him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became Him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, will I sing praise unto thee. And again I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things, it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful And faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of his people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor, to deliver them that are tempted. May the Lord bless his word to us now. We'll ask his hand upon us for our service. Fathers, we come now to the Word open before us. We pray that our hearts will be open to understand and receive and to obey, putting into practice Thy holy truth. Dear Father, help me this morning, I pray. I will know the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the unction from heaven, to speak Thy Word clearly so that no one will misunderstand. Father, if it please Thee today, save some precious, never-dying soul. Work in the hearts of people who are out of Christ. And Lord, reinforce Your holy truth to our hearts today. Hear our prayers for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said to begin with, these chapters in the book of Hebrews, they present to us some of the mountain peaks of Scripture. We read in chapter 1 how the Lord Jesus Christ has been exalted by the Father And indeed, He is the express image of His heavenly Father. The supremacy of the Lord Jesus is presented and set forward as He is the Son of God, and He is God the Son. And when we think of the account given of the incarnation of the Lord, of His leaving heaven and coming down to be born and to take on human flesh, the incarnation of our Lord Jesus in no way diminishes His person, but it actually magnifies the glory of our Lord Jesus because in the steps of His humility, which He took to become a man, He did that knowing Himself as God, And so He is magnified in His humility, magnified in His great grace, magnified in the person of who He is. He is declared in these early chapters of Hebrews to be God and King. Christ is the Creator and the Sustainer of all. He is our Redeemer and our Lord, and He is the Judge of all and of every man. Throughout chapter 2, the message of our Lord and His work of saving sinners, it is emphasized over and over again. For as we drew near the end of chapter 2, we have these penetrating words that He is made a man so that He could become our faithful High Priest in order that He might reconcile his people, that he might make reconciliation for the sins of his people, our Lord Jesus Christ, his message, his work. Indeed, the Savior himself spoke and testified of the great purpose and reason why he had come to this earth. And Christ spoke about that, and so the Apostle Paul here says that also the other Apostles, they also gave testimony, and they relayed that to the Apostle Paul and to many others following on. And so God, what did He do? But He enabled the Apostles by signs and wonders and by various gifts and ministry of the Holy Spirit. All those things were validating that the words that they spoke were true, they were sent from God, and that Christ indeed was who he said that he was. When the Son of God became a man, we're told that he was a little lower than the angels. But at the same time, he was so much better than the angels chapter 1 verse 4 which simply means that the nature of humanity its physical and its finite but the angels themselves were spiritual beings and yet Christ when he was made a man God enabled him by the very station of an angel or humanity that Christ became a man and he humbled himself made a little lower but we're dealing with God the Son who is exalted above all the angels and all of creation. Our Lord, we are told in verse 9 of chapter 2, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Oh, I'm not speaking on this verse this morning, but it is so powerful and so full of the truth that we would take to our hearts today, dear brother and sister in Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ took upon him human flesh, in order that he might suffer and die for your sins and for mine today. This is all part of the account we have in front of us that is speaking about the great message of hope, the great message of salvation and of truth. But the last phrase of chapter 2 and verse 9, perhaps it has caused some to just not be quite so sure the full meaning of those words when it says that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. I want just to take a moment and try to clarify that for you in case there's any misunderstanding. There are at least three ways in which this verse has been interpreted. The first way is that when our Lord Jesus is said to have tasted death for every man. Some people feel that it means that He died for every single human being that has ever been upon the earth. If that was a true statement, it would mean that every single human being would be saved. If Christ died For every man that has ever lived, and every human being that has ever lived, then of necessity every single human being would be saved and be in heaven. That is the doctrine of universalism, and it is not a scriptural and biblical doctrine. And the simple reason would be that we have many examples in the Bible of those people who are not saved and you could go from Cain the first man born into the world or look at Balaam the false prophet and in the book of Jude there are a few others mentioned as well but there are a vast number of people in the Bible who had rejected God who were not saved and who are this day in a lost eternity in hell. And so that idea or that interpretation would not be a biblical one. The second thought is that the idea of Christ tasting death for all men is that Jesus experienced the bitterness of death. He experienced the reality of death. He experienced death as a man because as the Scripture tells us, that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. And so in that sense, our Lord Jesus Christ Himself experienced what all other men in history have experienced. And that particular interpretation, some would look at that and justify it as a way of answering that particular verse of Scripture, and there's some, perhaps some validity in that. But the third thought that is most agreeable to the context of this chapter and also of the entire revelation of God's Word is that Christ died for all mankind. He died for every variety of humanity. He died for every color, for every ethnicity, for every nation under heaven, for every language. And he died for humanity in all of its parts. And therefore, this verse does not teach universalism, but it teaches that Christ died for a people For whom God gave him. And the context of this, if you look at verse 10, it really clarifies the extent of the atoning work of Jesus. For verse 10 tells us For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect or complete through suffering. And so, the qualification of verse 10, in the great gift that God the Father gave to His only begotten Son, He gave Him a people, a people chosen by Himself. And Christ died for His own. And for every one that He died for, there is absolute and perfect salvation And so that gives you an indication perhaps if you've been wondering about that verse and if other questions come up to your mind, well, you can speak to me at a later time and we'll try to answer that for you. I want to leave with you this morning the words that are found in verse 3. It says, How shall we escape if we neglect... And I want you to focus on these three words, so great salvation. So great salvation. And my dear friends, you can see by the very context of this chapter and of the number of times this word and the phrase is repeated over and over again. This is at the very heart of what the Apostle and how the Holy Spirit is directing him. And there is a warning that we have read in the opening verse of chapter 2. For as the Apostle is unfolding these great, these magnificent, these monumental doctrinal truths about Christ and about His work and person, He is saying to us, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip out of our hands. And it's interesting, that word let them slip is in the original the idea of a bucket that has holes in it and as you pour the water in, it just all drains out. We don't want to let these things drain from us. We don't want to let them slip through our fingers and forget them or confuse them at all. We want to understand the very heart of what the Lord has for us today. And friend, I would say to you, if you're here and you do not know the Lord as your Savior, I want you to think about these words, so great salvation. And if you are truly a child of God, let that truth resonate and reverberate in your mind and spirit, for we have a great God that has given to us a great salvation. The first thing I leave with you is this, God's salvation is not just great Don't we use that word, the word great, very much in our vocabulary? We throw it around. It's nearly lost its meaning. We use it to describe food, clothing, books, buildings, and a host of other personal experiences. If you were to say uh, to uh, your wife, well, that that dress looks great. And um, it's better to say it that way because if you were to say it, the dress looked good, you might have to wonder, well, she would wonder, well, is it like how good is good? It's maybe like just okay good or is it really good? And so you might then say, you might not even bother wasting your time with the good word. Just go right to the great one and then Hopefully you'll have taken care of the uh, whatever problems that might arise after that. You'll say, wow, that was a great meal. It means you're satisfied. You enjoyed it. It was good. But the overuse of any word can cause it to lose its weight and its impact. And therefore, when such a description is used to speak of something that is truly magnificent or truly beyond the ordinary great, well, what do we do? We, we sort of classify things. We qualify them. But how can, we, how can we properly classify the subject that's before us today? And the Bible says that God's salvation is great my dear friends it is in a category that is all its own when the bible uses a word to describe what god has done either who he is or what he has accomplished this word must be it must be fully understood in the full extent of its meaning and yet what does What does the Apostle say here? How does the Lord come to give us this explanation? Because the salvation of God is not just described as being great. And if we were to leave it at great salvation in all of the possible understanding of what that would be as it has come from God. But no, the Holy Spirit doesn't stop there. For He says it is so great salvation How do we understand it? And how is this salvation of God so great? My friend, I say to you today, it is so great in what it has saved us from. In sin, in our depravity, in our iniquity, we were all destined to a lost eternity. We're all of us We're on the road to hell, on the road to eternal torment and destruction. And if ever you wonder about the reality of hell, you do not have to go very far into the Scripture to know that our Lord Jesus Christ, the One who came to give the love of God, and the mercy of God, and the salvation of the Lord. He spoke more of the place of hell than any other person recorded in the Bible. He spoke about the place where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. He spoke about a place of eternal torment, and the account that He has given to us of the rich man and Lazarus. Is presented how the rich man died and Lazarus died, and they both went to the grave. But the rich man, he went to hell. And we are told, in torments, in torments, he lifted up his eyes. There was a consciousness that the rich man had in hell, there was suffering that he was enduring. And my friend, don't let any false teacher try to suggest to you that the Bible does not teach that hell is a real, literal, eternal place. The Bible has taught that in so many different places. But you and I today, if we are in Jesus Christ, if we have received Him as our Lord and Savior and we are born again, then my dear friends, we have been saved from hell forever and ever. This so great salvation is so great because it saved us from such a devastation and destruction that we would be cast into. My friend, today I say to you, if you are not a believer if you do not know Christ as your own, if you are uncertain about your eternal state, do not put it off. Do not wait. Do not allow the devil to put in your mind some other time. I'll think about that. We do not know. You do not know what a day will bring forth. In this past week, three people passed into eternity on the same day that we know and associated with in our little congregation here. As you awaken a new morning, you do not know what the end of that day will bring for you. And therefore, friend, if you're watching online today and you've tuned into our meeting, maybe you think by accident God has you here to hear a message with purpose. Do not think that you can just put off and ignore this message. For it is the message of salvation, the message of hope. And we have today the testimony in our hearts as believers that we know our God, we know our Savior, and we love Him. And He has saved us from such a destruction as hell. Why else could we say that we have so great salvation? Well, we know what the opposite of hell is it is glory in heaven forever and ever. And that's what the Lord has saved us unto the gift of everlasting life. Think about that, my dear friend, when you're having a bad day. Think about that when the pressures and trials and troubles are on you. Consider that in your heart. I'm going to glory in heaven. And before very long, we will be there, all of us. And so therefore, put into perspective whatever this life has in front of you, whatever trials and sorrows and sufferings are put on your plate. Heaven is your home, and glory is your destination. We have here no continuing city, but we seek one that is to come. And therefore, brothers and sisters, let the truth of this Scripture and let it rest and abide in our souls. And let us say today, praise be unto God for this so great salvation. What will heaven be like? We have some faint sketchings in the Scripture that tell us People wonder, what will we do in heaven? How will we occupy ourselves? And many such questions. And those things we may not have decisive answers for. But we know, friend, that in glory we will be in the presence of our Lord Jesus. We will be in the presence of our Father, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we will have communion with our God that will be uninterrupted forever and forever. There will never be a time when we are sorrowful, never be a time when we are weeping tears over our own sin or over the grief and trials of His life. For in glory and in the presence of our Father in heaven, we will have eternal joy, eternal happiness. And we will bask in the sunlight of the glory of the Son of God and that will never be taken from us forever and forever and forever. Does that not describe a little bit to us of how great the salvation that you have today that Christ has given to you? Oh, my friend, we have been saved from hell. We are going home to an eternal rest of glory With our Savior. But this salvation is so great because of what it cost to give us. It was the cross, it was the cross of suffering and the cross of shame. It was the cross that our Lord Jesus endured by His own will purpose, intention, and love for you and me. The cross upon which our Savior suffered and bled and died was God's appointment for Him. It was the appointment of all eternity. It was not some afterthought It wasn't something that came into the mind of God because, well, His first creation failed. Now what am I going to do? No, friend, in the counsels of our sovereign almighty God, the cross was in His heart and mind forever. We cannot comprehend such a thing. We cannot understand it. But we are told that Christ, before the foundation of the world was called and chosen to suffer. He was a man of sorrows, for He endured all of His earthly existence, knowing that every step He took upon this earth was a step toward that cross, a step toward bearing sin upon His shoulders, upon His Spirit, but not His own sin, for this God-man took upon Him the nature of humanity and sinful flesh. He took upon Him the humanity to become our brothers, our brethren. And He did that so that He might make reconciliation for our sins, How great is the salvation that we have experienced. It is so great because the cross is so great. And there is no message that can be above that and beyond it. My dear friends, today, may we never let a day go past that we do not contemplate, we don't think, we don't consider exactly what the Lord has done for us. A second thought I leave with you this morning is this, that neglecting God's salvation comes at a high price. Verse 2 says, verse 3 rather, if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape? If we neglect it, what will be the outcome? If we neglect this and its place before us, what shall we say? What shall we do? The subject of accountability, which is what this is speaking of, accountability is all... Around us. We're accountable in all the areas of our life. Even the most ungodly must acknowledge this that in their own life experiences, if they mess up in the workplace, oftentimes they're accountable, they've got to make it right. If they mess up in a situation of the law and they're brought to court, they will have to pay the penalty. And so there is accountability for our actions. And of course, the older that we get, parents will often say to children, I'm giving you a little more responsibility. And with that responsibility comes accountability for your actions. And God has made us accountable in our life. The whole issue of accountability in humanity, it goes back to the law of God that is written on our conscience. And the awareness that law broken means that the law breaker must give account, well, the Lord has established this in the very soul and heart of every every human being. There are laws that God has put in place in nature that if you go against that law, you will suffer for it. I mean simply and practically the law of gravity is that if you jump off a high building you are going to fall and injure yourself broken bones or death. If you go against those laws of nature you will pay the price and the consequence for it. But what the laws, the natural laws are in the physical world the moral law of God is in the spiritual world yet this is much more it's much more because the moral law of god it overreaches the physical law it supersedes it because we are first and foremost ultimately spiritual beings because we have a soul we have a conscience we have a mind and god has created us in his image as spiritual beings And therefore, the natural and the physical is always under and less than the spiritual. And so, my dear friends, if we are neglecting the natural laws, there is a consequence to pay. And if we neglect the spiritual laws, the moral law of God, then there is a price that must be paid. And this is so important As we consider the word neglect in our text, it simply means to be unconcerned, to be careless, to make light of something. Neglect is all too common. So if we neglect housework, the house gets dirty. If you neglect the garden, weeds take over. If you neglect your health, you will get sick. If you neglect your hygiene, You will not smell so nice if you neglect your study for a test quite possibly you will fail if you neglect your job you may get fired if you neglect your mortgage and your payments then you are in danger of losing your house you see there's there are scale of importance of things that we will neglect and their consequences and in some cases, the neglect we have, well, it might be a bit of a poor judgment or maybe bad manners. But those are on the minor side. But we're not talking about that when we're confronted with this verse of Scripture. There are something that is far greater that is at stake here. Because when God has given the offer of salvation and mankind has rejected that, the madness of willful rejection comes in various forms, doesn't it? It comes in this form of an active rejection of God and His Word. And there are those who would say virtually, as Pharaoh did, who is the Lord that I should obey Him? And so men will shake their fist at God. If they even believe there is a God, they will deny that He exists, and they will neglect to that most harmful and active rejection. And then, of course, there is the intentional distortion of truth. Of those who come to the Bible, come to the Word of God, and they will say, oh, no, 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 it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that, it means this. And in so distorting the meaning of truth, they are neglecting the truth, and there will be a consequence to pay. There are, of course, others who disdain the Word of God and the message of the Bible. And in their disdaining of truth, they will say, well, religion is for the fool. Religion is for the simple-minded person. The Bible, it's an old book written by people, a a lot of fairy tales and things like that, and they discount it, throw it away, and carry on their life. They disdain it. They look upon people who preach the gospel or give them a gospel tract as, that person's got two heads, they're, they're, not, they're not a normal person. And so in that disdaining of the truth, there is a neglecting. There is also a group of people that will have what I call a pretended compliance to the Word. There'll be those that, as the parable in the Bible that Jesus spoke about the two sons that the Father called to go and work... And the one son said, no, I'm not going to go, and he later reconsidered and went, and then the other son said, yeah, yeah, I'll go, but he never went. And so that pretended compliance with the will of the Father, that dressing nice, dressing like a Christian, coming to church, having everything done properly, but in the heart there is, I'm not interested, I'm not doing this, I'm 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 going my own way. There is that pretended compliance, and of course it will end up in an accountability. The last category that I've given here is one that's probably the hardest, and that's apathy. People say, I don't really care what you do. You want to believe in this? Go ahead, I don't care. You say, well, do you consider Christ the creator of the world? He came to die for you? I couldn't care less. Don't bother me with those things. I couldn't care. And they go on their life. My friend, perhaps that form of neglect is one of the worst. But God will hold everyone accountable. And the accountable nature of that means there's a day of judgment. And we know that everyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so, this word, it's not just to those who are unsaved, it's also a word of accountability for believers because if we know so great salvation let us be very very careful friends that we don't that we don't ignore or marginalize or count the things of God to be not that important in our life we don't want to neglect that in any way in fact a very good prayer to pray would be lord please save me from ever neglecting the word of god in any dimension i want to follow Father, faithfully, I want to do what is right according to Your Word. I pray that I will have a heart that is on fire for God, a heart that is desiring to see the things of Christ and let them be seen in and through our lives. Friend, if you're not a Christian here today, then I exhort you, I plead with you, According to God's truth, be sure that you know that Christ is your Savior. Accept Him today. Do not go out of this building. Do not turn your computer off and say, another time. A more convenient season? You may never have that. Because the Lord has said, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Because if neglect is not neutralized in your life, it will harden into a solid mass of unbelief, and you will be lost, lost in an eternity without God and without Christ. I pray that God would use this Word that we have thought about today and write it upon every heart, and He would challenge us, He would encourage us as His people, and that we will love Him more and more each day. We're going to close our service by singing number 295, full salvation, full salvation. Let's stand, please, as we sing. If you're not able to stay for communion today then please feel free to leave during the singing of this hymn.